When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 159 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's only dedicated sports podcast network. And also fanatics. Don't know where to start. <laughs> I've got to be honest. It's been a turbulent times, should we say. We we last spoke after Southampton. Uh, obviously, Everton losing that game 2-1. We've since played West Ham. I escaped the country for a few days uh, to, try, <laughs> to try and take my mind off things. Um, the manager's been removed from his position. The club's up for sale, then it's not up for sale. The, the majority shareholders spoken to the... Uh, the fan advisory board chair via a video that was released last night. Anthony Gordon's on his way out. Dan Juma was was uh, at his medical and had his, all his pictures taken with the Everton shirt and then got on the scene to Spurs. So it's going to be a quiet show, Lee, to be perfectly honest. I don't know where to, um, <laughs> what we can even say about all of that. Mate, mate, how how the hell have Amazon Prime not, set, not followed Everton this year? I mean, this would be literally the best show ever for them, wouldn't it? And, and we shouldn't say it because we're all absolutely all over the show. But, you know, in some ways, you've got to laugh as well and think, like, what the hell is going on with our football club? I think we're recording today, Wednesday. Yesterday, Tuesday, was one of the most mad days to be an Evertonian, wasn't it? Um, when you hear the rumours that Dan Juma, you know, bear in mind, on Thursday, we'd agreed to deal with the lad. We were all talking about, can we get him in by Friday midday so he can play against West Ham? still not confirmed and then it drags its way into Tuesday where by all accounts the lad's done all his media he's even been interviewed by Sky Sports he's posed with the he's, you know he's met some of the players apparently as well hasn't he met Calvert-Lewin shut their hands and everything else his kit's laid out ready for training on Tuesday morning and then the lad doesn't even turn up I mean that is just like I mean like I said at the start that how how the hell of Amazon Prime not followed Everton Football Club this season, it would be through the roof. I think it would have done bigger figures than than Coronation Street um, when the when the tra- when the tram crashed through the uh, through the corner shop. I think we would have been be doing bigger figures there. I've got to be honest because it's very much like a soap opera. I mean, obviously for ourselves living it, it's it's very difficult. Like you say, if you if you don't if you don't laugh, then you'll you'll bloody cry about it um, because mentally it, it it massively impacts. I was I was sitting in there. A Parisian hotel room on on Saturday time. They sort of keep track of the 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 West Ham game and out and about and things like that. And you know, you try not to let it affect your mood because you you're away for a few nights. You obviously you try and enjoy yourself and you know you you try and switch off on it. And it was impossible, you know. And you, it's just what what football, what Everton do to you, and, and especially with how things have gone in recent times, it's become even more difficult to to switch off because. 
you just don't see currently a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, like like you say, yesterday was incredible. I've never known a day, and and for us as Everton fans to not know a day like that is pretty amazing in itself. But what a crazy day it was, um, and that's all on the back of you know from the the day previous where where the manager obviously was relieved of his duties. It was on the cards. Probably a good place to, to start and, and tie it in with the West Ham game, of course, is, is last last as manager. Um, it wasn't unexpected. It was the writing's been on the wall for, for a few weeks, even for ourselves, you know, and people know our, our thoughts on on the club trying to obviously have some stability and our thoughts on the manager. And, you know, we were all hopeful that it would work out. We were all hopeful when we came back after the World Cup break that we could pick up a couple of wins, you know, Wolves, Southampton, probably the best, the best uh, chances to do that didn't happen. Um, and obviously his, his, his time, his time was up and, and the club were part of company. And thinking back to the West Ham game, you know, we, there was our footage of the, of the manager before the game, which came out where fans were, were showing him a little bit of backing and, and he looked a little bit sort of shell-shocked and a little bit washed out. And it's easy to say now, you know, that maybe at that particular point, he knew his job, his job was was not even on the line. His job was gone. Whatever happened during that game, the board miraculously appeared at the London Stadium. Uh, they were all they were all attending, which was which was another another bit of a, an avenue uh, to, for us to explore, I suppose. But the West Ham game just seemed almost like a formality, didn't it, Lee? In terms of we thought, and I know you, we spoke before the game. It's almost as if the manager knew, like we just said, that he was going to be be relieved. You made obviously the the observation that you know certain players didn't seem to to be maybe putting a hundred percent in. We look at players not coming off the bench when we needed a goal. You know, Anthony Gordon sitting there, Neil Mopey sitting there when we're trying to get back into the game at two 0 down. But you think, don't you? You have the belief that the manager was told prior to the game that his, his job would be gone regardless. And I think the pressure of the board being there and the obvious sign of the board were there was also more evidence that, that he was going to be relieved. Totally agree. I, I, When you saw that video surface of him in the hotel with a couple of fans, who, by the way, it was quite nice to see the fans giving him some backing, you know, after you see some of the footage we've seen recently where some fans are giving players abuse and, and things like that. But... Um, he just looked his body language for me, mate. He looked like he'd been told. Uh, I know, obviously, these are assumptions we don't know for sure, but he just looked. If I compare Lampard in the press conference before the Southampton game, where he was laughing and joking with the press, with Alistair McGowan and people like you know, he looked completely a relaxed figure. You know, I understand they lost that tight game, and obviously the pressure gets cranked again, but he just looked, didn't he? Like, he, he, like you said, he looked shell shocked. He looked like he'd basically been told, look, win, lose or draw, Frank. Sorry to say, mate, you're gone. Which, if that is the case, it wouldn't surprise me with this board, by the way. But if that is the case, that would go to some way into explaining how we played against West Ham. That, you know, we, we've all seen the games, you know, the Samson game, again, just lost it relatively tight. You know, the Wolves game conceded in the last minute, again, probably should have nicked that. But in all these games... You know, you can throw City in there and others as well. You know, we've never, or I've certainly never seen, I'm sure you'll agree, where players have not put a shift in. You know, we've seen it enough. We've gone through enough managers to know when players are clearly going, well, we want the manager out, so we're not going to run. 
And that was, you know, we may lack a bit of quality in those matches, by the way. And I agree. I definitely think we do lack quality. That's clear to see. We're not scoring enough goals. We're not creative enough. But I've never seen a lack of endeavour. And then you watch that first half against West Ham. And the players, some of, some of the players definitely were 100% not trying. Now, I think a prime example for me was Onana. Onana, who was outstanding, I say outstanding, but the best player on the pitch for me, uh, along with maybe Ward-Prowse in the Southampton game, driving us forward, running with the ball, being brave on it, you know, basically had a a solid game, showed us a glimpse of what this player could be in the next few years. And then your following week, you watch him against West Ham. He was walking around the pitch, Mike. I know you couldn't see the game because you were in France, but he was walking around the pitch. Um, he, he, at one point he sprayed a couple of passes out to Coleman one was a little floaty one and they both got intercepted now in most cases there you're giving the ball away in your own half your obviously instant reaction is right we either need to get it back or get into shape he just kind of walked he just gave it away and then it's like walked and then it was epitomised then by the second goal with Jared Bowen where you know he just he's let, he's, he's let Jared Bowen run off him completely you know, it basically made that that goal is scandalous when you look at it. We, we were pro- pressing them in their half on the edge of their box, trying to find an angle. Awobi, I think he goes for a Meg's pass by the looks of it, which is ridiculous. We lose it; it gets it gets pumped up the line to Antonio. Tarkovsky's just got to basically shepherd him out, jockey and make him go backwards. Basically, just don't let him do anything other than basically have to retain the ball. And for some reason, tries to dive in on Antonio which then completely frees him up to run down the line. But then even then, there's like five of our players against Jared Bowen in the box. And he still picked him out. And then Onana's just... And then, to be fair, to Mina's gone nuts at him going, what are you doing? You know what I mean? He's just basically ran off the back of you and you just walked into the box. And at that point then, I just thought, no, there's something not right here. You know, there's something not right. Like I said, you can, you can say a lack of quality why we've lost some of these games, and I agree with that. But that was the first time we saw some of the players not trying. And I don't think, this is the weird thing, I don't think they weren't trying because, like, you know, under Benitez and things like that, where they clearly didn't like the manager, so they knew he wanted him out. I think some of the players, like, and it's come out since, hasn't it, that Onana pretty much signed for is on the back of Lampard. Um, I genuinely think that they were just, some of them were just sulking as if to say, look, we like this team. We like this, this manager. We like his training team or his backroom staff. And they knew he was going, and that reflected in you know in what is an what was an absolute crucial game to get something out of. Because by the way, West Ham looked just as bad as us. They looked bereft of confidence. They looked like a team that hadn't scored many goals themselves. In fact, going into the game, they hadn't scored as many goals as us. So that tells you something. You know, we're a very low score inside, and and you could just see they were really lacking confidence. The crowd were on their backs, and then. And, and that was a really winnable game for us. It really was. Um, and, you know, the first goal, the first goal decided it, didn't it? As soon as that first goal went in, whoever scored it, you just knew they were going to go on and win the game. And that that was the first time I saw in that first half where players, some of them had down tools. And I think they down tools for the reason that they didn't want the manager to get sacked. I don't know what you think. I think, it, I mean, obviously since... Since then, um, the last couple of days or so, it, it's come out that there's been a, or there was a situation surrounding 
Decore being told to train on his own, which seems to go back to the Southampton game. Reports, rumours around uh, him backing up with Jusagana Gay, which which basically whatever has gone on between the manager and, and Jusagana Gay, we, we don't know. Um, but obviously he did start the game, Garner, but the Corey was nowhere to be seen. Um, so obviously there was something that has gone on after that Southampton game. Frank Lampard would have seen that as as our most winnable game. Of course, you know they were, you know, with the blows on the table. Um, we really, you know, we were winning the game one nil. We should have really seen the game out. For me, as we said, we had other chances as well, and and we fell apart straight after after half time. So. Obviously, a lot of emotion, a lot of anger after that game in the in the changing rooms, and and that's then seeped into to the to the week leading up to to the West Ham game. Like we say, Lampard cut a different figure, and 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 that's why you know we think that maybe he was he was already told that it's the end of the line and, and you you're going to be you're going to be gone. And obviously, if the players are aware of that, that that's on the cards, then obviously they probably found it difficult to to get motivated for the game. And put a shift in, you know, Onana maybe, you know, because he's got a some kind of personal attachment to Lampard because he signed for the club on the back of who the manager was. Maybe it's hit him a little bit harder. You've then got Anthony Gordon, who, by all accounts, you know, is is on his way. So that would have would have certainly been in players' minds, um, thinking, well, you know, we need a goal. We've got him sitting on the bench. Who's not going to come on? And if he comes on, is his head really in it? Probably not. Um, so it all it all basically came to a head in a way in that particular game, and like you say, it's the first time really that we've we've noticed that the players didn't seem to be playing for the manager, um, and that's all that we can think of as, as to be the the reason why it, it all unravelled, didn't it? It all unravelled in that in that game. I, I I genuinely think I don't think the players weren't playing for him. I just think. A lot of the players knew potentially what was going on. Now, if Lampard was indeed told at the hotel, because all the board were there, if he was told at the hotel either by some members of the board or even found out himself through other means, which can happen sometimes, then and he's he's potentially then relayed that to the team, which could have happened. Let's be honest, they could have just he could have said, "Look, this is my last game." Then you know it can go one or two ways. If players then can either then be like, "Right, this is last game. We're going to go all out. You know, we're going to try and win." But I think I think the what we saw is probably what would have, you'd expect to happen. You know, if they were saying, "Look, we've got to win this game to keep my job," then you'd probably see maybe an extra five yards in the legs. If it if if it's kind of like, well, you know, I'm gone regardless, win, lose or draw, then you see that type of performance. And I and I and I just genuinely think, you know, people can disagree with us all they want or whatever, but I genuinely think that's what's happened. I think. You know, he was told or he found out that was relayed to the team and you could see it in, in some of the players. And it did unravel with some of them. We've heard some of the, the noises about Gordon, although, you know, some of the players like Iwobi, Gordon, Patterson and all that have all come out and spoke fondly of, of the manager, haven't they, on social media and, and the team and everything else, you know, his backroom staff. And I think this is, a, you know, some managers have gone from us in the past because they weren't they weren't like, like Benitez and a few others, Koeman, people like that. But, in this case, I think most of the players, you know, like the manager. There's an argument to make. He hasn't got the experience for this type of job. I, I would make the argument that it may have been the right job for Frank, but at the wrong time. 
you know, I, I think he clearly had an affection for the club. He fell for the club. You know, we fell for him in some ways as well. Those images will always be iconic, won't it? You know, the Palace game and things like that. And, you know, there's been a lot of Everton fans and I, I, I posted something myself to say thank you. And, I, and, and publicly, I'd want to say that as well. You know, thank you for, for coming in during a tough time last season when the fans were probably at the lowest they've ever been. And 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 keeping us up, you know. Some fans make the argument, go, "No, we were already safe." No, we weren't. We were we were dropping like a stone. There was no love between the fans and the players. You know, it was a mess. Uh, the team was on the floor mentally. Lampard said that himself. And and to be fair, he galvanised he galvanised us, um, and he he built a unity between the fan base and the players again. Now we were all hoping that would move into this season that wave of positivity, um, albeit in the, in the dire circumstances. And it, it sort of fell, fell apart pretty quickly when we sold with Charleston. You know, we didn't replace him accordingly. And then, you know, we are where we are now. Um, but, you know, I'm sure you'll say the same. As, as From a podcast perspective, you know, it's a thank you from us, isn't it? To say, you know, thanks for coming in during a really tough time. I think the club have let you down. Um, but I think he's conducted himself with class, with dignity. He's always come across well when he's spoken either to the media or he's, you know, he's, he's met with the likes of Baz from Toffee TV and things that, you know, I, I think he's conducted himself with class and dignity. And I think that that was the reason why a lot of people took to social media on the whole. Most people were very thankful for him or to yeah, him. It, it, it's a massive shame that it hasn't worked out, um, you know, and, and he should never. Obviously, when you, people will say, oh, you know, he got the club and, like you say, he came across really well. He, I thought he was good in his press conferences, et cetera, et cetera. That, that should never be the defining reason why, uh, obviously, a manager keeps keeps the job, of course. Uh, but there was certainly a will within a lot of the fan base that we wanted it to work because because of, you know, last season was was so traumatic and it was, it was a torrid time and, Obviously, you mentioned there the scenes after Crystal Palace, and it's a shame that it came to that, of course. But we we had that moment. Um, we thought that would be the catalyst that we could, you know, potentially kick on and and do better this season. We we found ourselves obviously in in a similar position now um, as we did when Frank Lampard came in last year. And it's just a shame for me. It's just a shame it's not worked out. There was a will there, I think, from the fans for, for the majority that they wanted it to work. You know, was he was he a little bit inept tactically? Maybe um, certain things weren't working. Why weren't they working? You know, what was going on on the training ground? Like you say, I think he's certainly been let down by certain people at the club. Um, you know, once once Richardson went, it's yeah, well, he's not been replaced certainly, and he's difficult to replace. But the players that that have, that have come in, really, you know, the, the likes of Mope and, and McNeil, are they up to it? No, not not as we speak today, and that's not that's not being dismissive of them, but it's not work. We've got to be honest; it's not work with with those those two players in particular. Um, so it's it's been again, you know, it's it's been another difficult spell and difficult time for a manager. Um, one, as I say, that we all wanted it to work for, but it's it's not been the case, and and the search begins yet again, and you know we we find ourselves looking at. At certain names, you know, we, we were linked to something like eight managers yesterday, which was my count. Could have been more, but I counted eight. Um, the favourite currently seems to be Bielsa, former Leeds manager. That seems to be the owner's pick, which again takes us into murky waters in terms of 
it should be Kevin Felwell who who decides who comes in because he has to work with them. It's got to work with the director of football. Bielsa doesn't work that way by all accounts. He likes to have full control of everything. Um, so whether that's going to actually happen or work, who knows? I mean, if if we if we do, you know, expand the discussion on him a little bit, you know, I think he's a very very talented manager. He's been around for many, many years. I think he did great things at Leeds. And a lot of Leeds fans will say that him being sacked was a bit was knee-jerk. Uh, a lot weren't happy with it. Even when he went, he, he went with their affection. Um, but obviously the concern that we have is that if, if he comes in during a pre-season or if he comes in during that World Cup break and has six weeks with the players, to get them to a particular level, he can identify what he needs to where he needs to strengthen, and then obviously we can go into the market to, to give him the players that he wants. Then it, it would it would probably work and be a, be a recipe for success. I don't think he's ever come into a club partway through a season, and there's got to be a reason behind that. And the reason is that his standards and his way of playing, and I hate the expression Bielsa ball, it's all that kind of nonsense, but that he plays a particular way. You know, can he get? players through the door and can he get the current crop of players to a level in a week before the Arsenal game and obviously over the next 18 games to play a particular way to keep us up I just don't think he can and that's I think personally that if you're going to go for Bielsa then I think it almost and maybe I shouldn't say it almost sends a message that we're prepared to be relegated and look at the bigger picture that's my personal opinion because he needs more time than 18 games to get us playing how he wants us to play. Yeah, I think that's a, f- a fair shout. And I think that's the consensus of most fans. Um, of the names that have come to the fore, you know, certainly by the media and and, and on the betting and um, forums and stuff like that, it, it seems to be Bielsa, you know, Rooney's name's been thrown in there, Ferguson. I, I, personally, I'd stay well clear of those guys. You can't be making emotional appointments. And I think, to be honest... You know, Mashiri was criticised when the you know Sky cameras were putting his face after the West Ham game to say it's not my decision, and I think a lot of fans you know took umbrage with that, and I understand why. But I think what I saw, and I think it's since come out. Um, I think I, I talked to Twitter and, and made a couple of comments. I think what he's referring to is that it's a it's a board decision, and it's you know Felwell's decision as well, really more than anyone's. I think finally, from what we've heard as well with regards to the noises coming out of Goodison, is that it's taken five or six years for the penny to drop for him to let people do their jobs. And by all accounts, Thelwell's been allowed to do that this year without any interference in terms of, you know, he's made changes at the club, he's appointed people, he's got rid of people. Um, and it should be his choice for the next manager. It really should be his choice. Now, the only thing is, as we all know, and we can join the dots ourselves, Bielsa just reeks of that's Mashiri getting back involved again, isn't it? Saying he wants a, he wants a certain manager. When, you know, clearly, and, and Thelwell will, will attest to this, is that, you know, he, he wouldn't be able to work with someone like him, would he? It's, it's like Brands all over again, isn't it? You know, Brands wanting to keep Marco Silva. Brands wanting to go for, you know, from what we were told, Potter before Benitez came in because, you know, the type of manager a director of football can work with together to build, obviously, a team over time with a, with a philosophy and a style. And, you know, bringing in Bielsa, it, it, it's almost like Ancelotti all over again, isn't it? You know, bringing in someone that's probably not going to work with a director of football closely and want to bring in his own players. 
Uh, no, don't get me wrong. Bielsa is regarded as, 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 as a genius by you know some of the best managers out there. You know, Pep idolizes him, and some of Bielsa's football and some of the teams he's played is is is, is you know completely different and left field and, and and borderline genius as well. You look at his Chile team that he had was outstanding. You know, even Leeds before obviously it all came apart, they were you know great to watch at times. And I genuinely believe if Bielsa came in and was given time. We all know that you know the, the general consensus is he'd need a full summer to assess the squad, get in the players he needs to, can play the way he plays. You know, we all know the way he plays. He plays man for man. He plays with a really high line, squeezes the play. You know, he out he, he wants every single player to outrun their opposite number. You know what I mean? And to get a team fit enough to do that and to play that way, we just haven't got the personnel, have we? Certainly at the back. You know, to play a high line, you'd probably only really say Godfrey. And Holgate, maybe to an extent, can probably play with such a high line and have that pace to recover. Cody can't. Tarkovsky can't. I mean, they've been dropping to their, their own six-yard box in the last London few games, haven't they? Never mind the halfway line. So, um, you know, I think it would be a massive risk to bring him in halfway through a season and expect him to have such an immediate impact. You know, we could go into the Arsenal game and conceivably the Liverpool game trying to play a high line when he's had no time with the players. And concede five or six goals. Do you know what I mean? So it's 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 a really it's a really uh, it's a real conundrum for me. Um, you know, is the argument to say we bring someone in like maybe a Daesh or, or whatever, as much as it pains me to say it, just to try and give us the best opportunity to try and stay in the league by being hard to beat? You know, then look at a Bielsa maybe um, in in the summer, or even you know I've mentioned before, um, you know, bringing in. Um, Simeone or someone like that. Do you know what I mean? I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but I think Everton fans would love him. But in the same breath, I think, you know, if Bielsa got his play in the way he likes to play, high energy, fast football, attacking football, everyone, every single player sprinting. I think at Goodison, if he, if he managed to get that type of play and got his philosophy stamped on the club, Everton fans would love him. They'd love him, wouldn't they? Because he's that type of guy, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? You know, they would love him. Like the Leeds fans absolutely adore him. I've got a few mates who are Leeds fans who've messaged me to say, like, literally, Leeds fans now still talk about him now. You know, they still absolutely idolise him. Um, a lot of them are still angry that Jesse Marsh has come in. You know what I mean? Even now. Uh, and on that point, by the way, Jesse Marsh's win ratio is on par to what Lampard's was. So, you know, he's getting away with a little bit there as well. Mm-hmm. You know, considering the amount of money they've, they've, they've thrown about as well recently. Um, but yeah, back to the point. I just think part of me thinks if they did bring him in, it would, you know, even though he's 67 now, we would have a clear identity and a style of play and a philosophy and a way, you know, building towards something. Um, you know, a lot of people question what is Lampard's way of playing and there's some valid points there. But I just think of, of those names mentioned so far, I think he, you know, you'd certainly take him. But then there's been a few others as well, hasn't there, um, that have been heavily linked. Um, what's the name of the young German coach who's done really well at Schalke and Red Bull? Is it Tedesco? Is it? Is it Tedesco? Uh, yeah, so yeah, there's been a few. Well, it's I think it's more people wishing and want maybe evidence to approach that kind of manager. Um, yeah, yeah. as opposed to any kind of concrete concrete links. Um and we saw was it was it Marcelino, the, the former Valencia manager was was linked yeah. through through Marce yesterday. Um potentially an, another option. 
someone I think somebody was saying that he's been through worse times at Valencia, so coming to Everton would be would be a breeze for him. But I think we'd sort of dispute those claims. Um, but yeah, I mean, <clears throat> my belief is they will go for a short term option. I've got to be honest. I think that they've, they've got to look at the short term picture, like you say, and, and then readdress things in the summer. You know, I'm not. And by the way, the links to Sam Allardyce. That's you know that just can't happen for me. Far Machine, you've spoken to him by all accounts. Um, apparently, you rang him when the World Cup was on. Spoke to him then. Um, there has been some kind of communication there, which is frightening, really, um, because of obviously how it how it was, how it ended with with Sam Allardyce. Um, and I know people will argue, you know, we got a sweet eighth position, was it at the time? And what have you? But I think a lot of the, a lot of the stories that came out was he didn't spend much time at all on the training, the training pitches. It was all Sammy Lee. Allardyce quite often would be off playing golf and, and Sammy Lee would be taking the training sessions, etc., etc. The players need someone to, to look up to and, and feed off. And, and for me, that's not the man to do it. Uh, but I mean, I think Dice's potential, I know we've discussed Dice a few a few weeks ago and we, and we weren't being, you know, we weren't trying to be dismissive and, and trying to be aloof in that. But at the time, obviously, our hope was that Lampard could pick up a few more points, get a win, get a draw here and there. Um, I think Dice is an option, and I think I think if you if Allardyce is in the mix, then Dice has got to be in the mix. To be honest, but I still have reservations because of the fact that at Burnley he was replaced by was it Michael Jackson? Um, so it was they they still went down. So I don't know. I, I do think short term option is probably the way they're going to go. Obviously, if Mashir gets his way and he can convince Bielsa, then we'll be seeing something totally different. Uh, but I think that's that's probably a dangerous game to play with only 18 games to go with that kind of that kind of manager. Because the players, you know, the reporter came out yesterday with that he's already identified that Everton players are too slow. <laughs> we, we could have we could have told them that. Um, and I it doesn't take a genius to work that out. It doesn't. No, you haven't got to be a master tactician to understand that our players are too slow. We've been saying it for years and years and years. We need pace. You know, we we've lacked pace in all areas, to be perfectly honest. And and the game nowadays cries out for yes, technical players, but players who who can carry the ball at pace, who frighten defenders. And and Everton haven't really got outside of Damari Gray, haven't really got anyone. I don't think who who goes at pace. And Damari Gray, obviously, you know, is is quite inconsistent. But it's a <clears throat> it's a frightening position that we find ourselves in yet again. Um, the rumours are we want to appoint a manager by Friday. So we're speaking Wednesday. Uh, so a couple of days to sort that out. When this podcast goes out later on today, I'm sure things will will have changed, you know, from a, a variety of angles to do with the manager, different names. The story will move forward, the pace, I'm sure. Um, but we've got to hope that whatever appointment is made, it is it is the right appointment for the club for me in the shorter term. Yeah, going back to to, to uh, Domenico uh, Tedesco, the young German coach, I did a bit of reading round round him. I mean, for some people, it'll be obviously, you know, not many of us will have heard of him, and you know, he's 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 a real talented coach. I had a quick chat with Piv uh, yesterday, El Pivote, who, who a lot of people know um, knows his stuff in footy. Uh, obviously, works in the industry as well, um, and you know, if you look at his record, he, he's only he's only a young coach. I think he's thirty seven, thirty eight, and. You know, he's, if you look at his record at Schalke, he did a phenomenal job there. He got them to second in the league, went to Spartak, by all accounts, uh, didn't really settle there completely for, for sort of more family reasons. Um, and then did a decent job at Red Bull as well. 
Um, I think he won Red Bull's first ever trophy. I think they won the cup, didn't they, in Germany then? But if you look at his win ratio, and people have highlighted that, um, you know, at Schalke, it was just under 50%. At Spartak, it was 50%. And at, at Leipzig, it was over 50%, 52%. That's a hell of a, you know, OK, look, we're not talking the Premier League here, and it'd be a gamble. But, you know, if, you, if, if the last three managerial jobs he's had, he's winning half his games very impressive you know and if you look a bit they do a bit of digging on him he, he's very well thought of in Germany um he, he, by all accounts when he when he first came through as a coach in the German sort of qualifying system he was he was like top of his class you know he, he's 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 one of the sort of bright young managers coming through you know do we go for someone like him do you does Selwell take a gamble on someone like that who no one not many not many of us have really heard of but it seems to have a half decent track record. Now he's not really settled anywhere. You know, he seems to have gone there, done done a job for a season or two, a couple of seasons at the others uh, at the, the Schalke, Spartak, and then one season at Red Bull. But you know, what what do we do? Do we do we take a gamble and go for a young manager like that who, who's clearly a, a real bright talent, and then who could you know potentially work with a Thelwell and work with the players that we've got? That's that's it. Like you say, the, the word there is gamble. And it's it's all for me, this is dependent on the mindset of, of the board, yet again. Um I just think that we, we will avoid those kind of managerial appointments and targets. I know there's been loads of name mentioned mentioned, like I said before, there's been so many different managers mentioned in the last 24, 48 hours. And that shows you in terms of how how much maybe things are split yet again at board level, you know, and there's the fact that there's no plan. You know, if if, if you were going to go <clears throat> short term, then obviously the likes of Daesh, he would be your standout target based on the names that have been mentioned. If you're going to go long term and you could do it, then obviously Bielsa, like I said, Tedesco, <clears throat> you know, those kind of managers would be the ones that you would then you would then look at. But it's just it's just as I say, I think the next the next couple of days will be um insisting to, to actually watch and see what direction things go in. That'll give you a better idea, I think, about what the club are thinking about in terms of the, the longer term. Um and at this at this point of us actually speaking about it, I just don't know what way it's gonna go. You know, the, as I say, Bielsa is the one who's, who's top of the list. Um I think Dice is second, isn't he? And then it, it jumps up then. I mean if odds, odds are to be believed, it jumps up then to your sort of Duncan Ferguson's at twelve to one and, and people like that. And like you say, I don't think it's time for a romantic appointment either. And you know, big dunk left the club to go and find managerial opportunities, and as of yet hasn't. So that's a dangerous yeah, that, 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 that's leading with your heart and not your head there for me personally. Same with Rooney on that front as well. Um yeah, you know, even when you look at you know Marcelino and what he did at Valencia, you know, he walked into an absolute, you know, shit show at Valencia, didn't he? Let's be honest. And, you know, he turned that club around. They, they were probably in a worse situation than we were, if that's to be believed. Um, and and he, he won the Spanish Cup with Valencia. They beat Barca in the final. Um, you know, he got to the Europa League semi-final with Villarreal and came fourth in La Liga. And then more recently, he won the Supercopa with Bilbao as well. Um, so, you know, the guy is clearly, you know, has a bit of pedigree there, doesn't he? You know, and um, I was reading a bit of stuff with Rob Palmer, obviously covers Spanish football, and he, he seems to rate him very highly. And, you know, coming into Everton in this sort of situation wouldn't phase him, uh, given what he's gone through in the past. So, you know, someone like that, um, you know, some fans are shouting for Gallardo, who's obviously been phenomenal 
in South America regarded as one of the best coaches around. Obviously, again, not proving himself, um, you know, outside of those th- uh, shores. But I think let's let's see, let's see how it goes. I, I just think any any managerial appointment is a risk. The only reason I mentioned that Tedesco is you look at the way Brighton have, you know, Potter went. They had someone lined up straight away, didn't they? They went for Deserbi. Everyone was a bit like, oh, that, that's a bit of a weird one. And then look at them now. You know, he, he's clearly taken taken uh, the Potter mantle. He's got them playing good football. We've seen that at our place and we've seen them beat Liverpool as well. And they're scoring goals for fun, aren't they? Playing great footy. So, you know, there's no need for us to turn a nose up a bit of an unknown character like a Tedesco when you see what the job that the Zerbi's done. Obviously, though, there's no obviously no need to turn our nose up at those kind of players, but it's two uh, managers, sorry, but it's two different clubs in two totally different situations. Brighton had a plan, so Potter obviously went of his own accord to Chelsea. They have, have a way of playing. Uh, we discussed Brighton in, in the past ourselves. They have they have a, a great setup there, which they they don't waver from, and it works for them. And they, they've really kicked on. So you know the manager the kit that came in is ideal for their setup and and as i say they've got a plan on paper whereas we we haven't that's the that's the thing you know and that's that's what the problem is so who knows what way it's going to go but say that the next couple of days it should be it should be sorted out we should you know well i say that they want to appoint by friday doesn't give the manager much time in the transfer market um of course we find ourselves in that that same position we found ourselves last season really where the manager comes in late on gets a couple of players across the line and those two players are coming, don't really do much fit for the side. But what's his space? Of course, it's an interesting time to be an Evertonian. It's a, it's a heartbreaking time to be an Evertonian. Um, but it's in terms of the neutrals, I'm sure you can't take their eyes off the, the soap opera that's, that's currently going on behind closed doors at, at Finch Farm and Goodison Park. And, and like I said at the start of the show, that, that soap opera was in full swing yesterday uh, with obviously the potential loan signing of, of Dan Juma from Villarreal, which didn't happen. And we're going to discuss that, Anthony Gordon transfers after today's first break. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Saints podcast. And we've got to discuss the um, the absolute farce that occurred over the last couple of days in regards to an incoming player in in Dan Zuma from Villarreal. Um, it's been I've been on Merseyside for I think about seventy two hours. I think. Um, and you know, medical was done, media pictures were done, they had the shirts held up, um, and it was all going to be released last night. Is is official signing? I'm assuming to give a little bit of a of respect, maybe to the fact that we'd announced that the manager had gone 24 hours previously. Um, so the club held back a little bit on, on that. Obviously, listening to, to the space that was put on yesterday by the lads from View from the Bullens, they were saying that. It was all agreed on the on the Monday, and basically what has to happen is that the club send a form, a registration form, signed to the Premier League, and then a registered agent, so his agent, has to do exactly the same. They were given confirmation from the player's side that that would happen on the Monday. Um, his training kit was laid out yesterday. Uh, should have been arriving at Finch Farm with Leighton Baines and, and Paul Tate taking training yesterday. And he didn't show up. And when Everton investigated and ran the Premier League, they confirmed that the form had not been sent by the agent. And and we found ourselves in in a situation that should never happen. 
and we were without the player that obviously Kevin Thelwell had worked so hard to get through the door. Even after Frank Lampard had gone, the the club were pretty sure that it was there would be no issues. Um, and and off he went, and he was down in London yesterday doing his medical. It's going to be announced today as, as a Tottenham player. And bear in mind all the signals that he had put out as well about um, I was going to fight for the club and you know do everything that he can to keep Everton in the Premier League, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And he does that, and and I think it's for me. It's a sign of modern football, isn't it? You know, there's, I'm not on all accounts, but I don't think integrity is a massive part of many footballers' makeup. It's, you know, it's a cutthroat business. But I think when you've, you're at that particular stage, when everything's been agreed, he's done photographs, um, he's been here for a number of days, he's, he's met players. You know, he was spoke to Dominic Calvert Loon and other players as well as, as well at Finch Farm. He'd done all of that, everything. And there was one document which hadn't gone off. That, unfortunately for me, as much as we want to probably sit here and blame the Everton board, uh, how we operate, that for me sits solely and firmly with the player and the agents. Um, and we've been done over, haven't we? What it is, is a complete lack of integrity, mate. It's a complete lack of integrity. But in all fairness as well, you know, with the way modern football is, with the way players are, with the way agents are, do they even have any integrity? Yeah, you know I mean, I mean, and, and that, and that's that's the blunt of it, really. Um, most most footballers nowadays earn such a good living; they've got no loyalty to anyone. You know, half of them almost fall out of love with football halfway through their careers, anyway, because they end up having other business event, uh, business ventures. Sorry, you only have to look at the likes of Deli Alley, Ross Barkley, others, others like that. Um, and to be honest, it's easy to say this now because obviously the lad was coming in. He's clearly a talented player. He's clearly, a, you know, could, could have brought goals to the side. But do we really want a player coming into our club who's clearly got those types of morals? Yeah, I mean, not really. And especially in a dogfight, would you rather have shown this, you know, two months into his into his loan spell where he's not turning up for matches or he's refusing to play because of a niggle or you know, he clearly wouldn't have been up for the fight, would he? You know what I mean? So I'd rather us lose him now and him go to Spurs and try and get in that team ahead of, you know, let's be honest, four players who are probably better than him. Um, and, you know, you can't blame him in a way because at the same time, the club is, since he's come in, the club's in a mess, isn't it? We haven't even got a manager. You know, Lampard, by all accounts, was one of the reasons why he came after speaking to him and then the manager's not even there. So it, it, it's an absolute mess, you know, trying to bring in new players. And I feel for Kevin Thelwell there, because obviously by all accounts, he's worked his absolute backside off to try and get this over the line. You know, beat off the likes of PSV and Bournemouth and, and, and others. And, you know, and that's what happens to you. Um, and it, it's just a complete lack of integrity on their behalf, particularly the agent's behalf. Um, but at the same time, you know, like I said, do we really want that type of player coming in through the door when we need players to come in and battle and fight and try and give us an opportunity to try and stay in the league? Yes, it's going to be a massive ask. You know, we're going to have to pretty much almost win half our games to stay up, uh, which is going to be huge. But at the same time, we don't want players like that who are clearly have bad attitudes. You know, Moyes came out apparently, didn't he? Uh, you know, we all know he's a stickler for players' characters before signing them. By all accounts, he turned down the opportunity to sign him. And some of the noises we've heard, and, and is that you know, if Moyes would have come in even as our coach, then Dan Juma wouldn't have signed anyway. 
you know, I mean, that's just absolute diva behaviour if that's the case, isn't it? You know what I mean? So, um, so in that in, in that respect, to be honest, um, it might have been uh, a red flag well avoided there for me. Yeah, we might look back on it in a few months' time, and obviously look at his time at Spurs and and see it as a, as a bullet dodge. You know, going to Spurs with with Antonio Conte as the manager, uh, if you're going to start behaving in a certain manner with him, he's not going to have it either. Um, so I think it'd be interesting to see how it goes. I think Spurs are due to go to some park on the 1st of April. That'll be interesting. Um, if, he's, if he's fit, he might have, a, have an, an invisible injury on that particular day. Um, but it might be a bullet dodge. We could look back and think, you know, we've, we've been done a, a favour there. But at the time when it happened, you know, you feel absolutely terrible because of the fact that there's another player you know, it's, it's it's got so far down the line. It's literally it's it's one one swipe of a pen away from from being ratified and being confirmed. And you know, it's it's another kick in, in the stomach for Everton fans, really, isn't it? The fact that we've we've gone through so much in recent weeks. Uh, we've got so many issues that we feel need to be addressed in terms of by the board. Um, we're in such a poor position in the Premier League table. We've got no manager. And then obviously the one little little bright spot, you know, which I thought over the next next sort of couple of days was getting one player over the line. And then that happens. It's it, it was terrible when it when it actually actually went off. And yet, okay, we can all laugh about it and and think, oh, you know, maybe I've been done a favour there. But at the time, and I'm sure from Kevin Kevin Thelwell's perspective and the squad's perspective as well, it's done nothing to to sort of lift the mood in any way, shape, or form. So. It's back to the when you think about it, mate, if, if you're a player, right, and you've, you've, you've agreed the deal, you've agreed to come to, the, to us over other clubs, you've agreed the wage packet, you've done everything, you've done your medical, you know, you've even held the shirt up, you've met some of the players at the training ground. What type of person are you? What type of person are you when you've done all of that? That the 11th hour you can go, I've had the shirt in my hand. I've done interviews with, with, the, with, with the Everton, obviously, media. I've done interviews with Sky. I've I've even you know personally messaged some fans to say I'm going to give up. I mean, what type of person are you if then at the eleventh hour you then walk away and go, I'm going to go down the M6 to London. Thank you very much. In a team where I've got very little chance of starting, you know, he would have walked into Everton's team as sad as it is to say right now because we're a mess. What type of person are you? You're going to be basically fifth choice in 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 trying to get in that Spurs team right now. So that for me just tells me is that the type of character we want in our football club? Oh, most definitely. His, his character has got to be questioned because of the fact that he, like you say, you know, he's prepared to go from start and week in, week out, and, and potentially being a hero and could be a hero based on performances and, and what he might be able to do for, for our football club. To go into a club like, like Spurs, you've got the likes of obviously Son, Kudaseski, Richarlison, Harry Kane. At this current point, Lucas Moore is still there. So he's going to go there maybe be fourth or fifth choice uh, in, in terms of attacking positions. OK, he will get some kind of game time, of course he will. But, you know, as a footballer, the age of 25, um, you know, he's, he's coming to, to the biggest league in the world. You surely want to showcase your talents and, and be playing as much football as you can. So it shows him up maybe for, for what he actually is. And there was reports, like you mentioned, about David Moyes. He met with them. And he wasn't happy with, with his attitude and said, no, we're not signing him. So red flags there. Um, but listen, it's on him and his agents, isn't it? 
they they only know why they've done it and what they've done it for. Um, like we said, you know, the integrity just isn't there from the player or the agent side. And it's, it's disappointing, but we've got to go back to the drawing board. Um, a lot a lot will hinge now on who comes in as manager, I'm sure. And if, we're, if we are at advanced negotiations with any manager, they will be involved in in certain negotiations to do with players as well at this moment in time. And, and we'll be relaying to the players who we're talking to who the manager's going to be. And the manager might be involved in those discussions as well. We just don't know. But um, yeah, really disappointing. That, that That's for sure. And, and there's just a, another sort of nail in the coffin of a, of a really, really difficult day for us yesterday. And, you know, we continued, didn't it? It, it went on. Not so much, maybe not from a, a difficult as- aspect, but now there's a lot of talk around Anthony Gordon going to Newcastle. Uh, talk this morning of £35 million guaranteed with £15 million in add-ons. The Telegraph is saying that Everton are, and also saying that they want £60 million, which is a bit of a sticking point. Um, I'm not too sure about that. I think I think the club would accept £35 million, if I'm being perfectly honest. You know, And if the add-ons are achievable, which might involve Newcastle qualifying for the Champions League, in the next so many years, which as things currently stand, that is certainly on the cards. Might be might involve winning honours as things currently stand, that's certainly on the cards. So if they are achievable add-ons, I don't see any kind of issue because it's pure profit because he's a he's a player who's come through the academy. It's pure profit to the club. So we'll look we'll make the balance sheet look particularly good. And we could then reinvest over the final few days in the window as well and get a get a you know two or three players in, you know, to replace him, to replace Dan Juma. Uh, we can then go ahead and do that, which is which is really really important. But I mean, what what's your take on the Gordon situation? You know, the the general consensus across social media, and we always sort of caveat this and say, you know, that's not every Everton fan in the world, of course. But the the general consensus is people are not too fussed with Anthony Gordon moving on. Yeah, and I, I'd, I'd I'd echo that, and I'm, I'm I'm sure you do too. I mean, Gordon came in last season when we. You know, and you've used this expression a few times when we needed a lift, um, when we needed someone, you know, to, to sort of cling to, if you like, in terms of positivity. And he came in and he forced his way into the side. Lampard spoke really well of him in terms of his attitude. And, you know, he, he clearly lifted the team in terms of the way you play. And, you, you know, he used to, um, you know, whatever some fans love on the whole, put an absolute shift in every game, sometimes to the detriment of his own game. He always seemed absolutely knackered after 20 minutes. But, you know, he, he did make a bit of an impact. You know, there's no doubt about it. Um, did he make an impact in terms of goals and assists? Not really. You know what I mean? He, he made, obviously, little inroads into that. But, you know, when I look at players, young players coming into teams and having impacts, you know, even when Barkley first came in, you know, even like the likes of Mason Mount at Chelsea and, um, you know, Garnacho at United now, for example, and things like that, you know, I don't think he's even in the same category as those guys. I know he isn't. And um, for some reason this season, he seems to have come in and, 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 and have this sort of like real arrogant attitude like he is, like he's made it in football. Um, like, you know, he is a superstar and things like that. And maybe that's partly Frank, maybe bigging him up too much. And, he, and, he, and he's taken that and his ego's gone through the roof. We just don't know. You know, we don't, we don't know the lad. Um, when you see some of these video clips of you know where he's being interviewed and things like who, who, who's the fastest is well it's me you know what I mean who's the most skillful it's me you know what I mean and things like, and you think hang on a minute kid like um look I know we have we're not blessed with loads of world class players but I mean you know you, you sort of and it's nice to have a bit of confidence but I think he's got 
it's not confidence I see, it's misplaced arrogance. And he needs to, you know, eat a bit of humble pie and get his head down and try and become a player that he could possibly be. Um, look, who's, who's to know? You know, if you look at the stats um, in terms of his ability to get into dangerous areas, you know, uh, in, in the opposition penalty boxes and things like that, you know, he lacks that final that final, uh, final pass, that final decision-making um, process, which obviously makes a difference between the, the, you know, a good player and a top player. But maybe that's what other teams seeing him. They've looked at that and gone, hang on a minute, you know, he, he's direct, he's quick, he carries the ball, he gets us at the other end of the pitch. We can work on some of those things with him. Maybe that's what Newcastle and the likes of Chelsea seeing him. So I agree with you. If, if, if it is to be believed and it's 35 million, um, and by all accounts, that may well be, by the way, most of that may well be up front as well with the likes of Newcastle and the money that they have. Um, and then obviously the rest of it, you know, like you said, linked to, to, to you know, 15 million linked to winning, winning trophies and Champions League and that then you know, we could get closer to the 50 million. I think that's a great bit of business for the club, personally. It is, it is. I mean, I think I think the talk of his attitude and I know you mentioned there about when he's he's been film that he mentioned about him being the quickest and, and to be honest with your stats back it up <laughs> to be honest because I think he's second quickest in the Premier League this season um, which shows you how quick he is I don't think sometimes he shows that on the pitch I've got to be honest uh, I was surprised when I saw I saw the speeds but I think there's a lot of question around his attitude and whether he believes his own hype and obviously he was given the number 10 shirt by Frank Lampard etc etc I think it's dangerous to go down that road personally speaking because because we just don't know it's just it's speculation with him, and I think people are using that as a bit of a stick to beat him with. Don't get me wrong, he's not performed this season for one reason or another. I think he started the season okay. We, we spoke about him, and I think he put in some decent performances. Obviously, got a few goals early on. Um, and then things just, just didn't really work out. And, and that was at a time, by the way, when there was a lot of speculation around his future in, in August, and he started the season well. And so for me, you know, people saying that his head was turned, well, but he performed okay, and he was probably our, one of our better players. So maybe it's got to him. We we discussed this at the time. Maybe being linked to to Chelsea, not getting the move. But as we know, you know the, the money wasn't on the table. There was no bid of sixty million pound. The the money that was coming in was about twenty with loads and loads of add-ons. So that wasn't a good deal for the club. The deal now is better, and Anthony Gordon's stock is lower. So to get this kind of deal for a player who's at the you know, a difficult start, difficult first half of the season where he's certainly not put any kind of money onto his valuation. Everton will be crazy to turn it down. I've got to, I've got to be honest about that. But I think attitude, I don't know. You know, I think it's it's all speculation. I feel for the kid. I've said it time and time again because last season he, he took a lot on on his, his shoulders and, and, you know, sort of, I think, in a way, felt the responsibility sat with him to keep us in the Premier League. He didn't look any kind of trees, but his sheer will and determination to get through games and try and make things happen was, was a, a real benefit to us. So we didn't really have time to develop last season. It was almost a, a season that was wasted in terms of development. But then I think this season we thought he was he was going to need that time to develop. He's not really kicked on, um, especially in the, in, the, in the last probably, I don't know, nine, ten games. We've not seen a great deal from Anthony Gordon. And, and, you know, he's in a position now where he wants to go. The club are happy for him to go. Newcastle's the most likely destination. And, you know, for me, he goes with my best wishes because I think he needs to go. I think he's at a time now where 
it can't offer us maybe what we need at this particular point. I think we're probably getting the price that we, you know, was probably above what we maybe should get for him if, if, if figures are to be believed. And it will do us a favour massively financially in the in the short term and allow the new manager to bring in a couple of players, hopefully, fingers crossed, in, in the final few days of the window. So it makes sense for all parties. Um, but it's, it's, it's important that we've got to use that money. We said it time and again. We've got to use that money correctly. Otherwise, we, we find that the money will be wasted on on substandard players, but um, yeah, no, no, no major concerns from me in terms of Anthony Gordon leaving the club. Well, yeah, yeah I think I, I agree with you in some of those points as well. Um, I just don't see a player who thinks he's as good as he is personally, and 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 if we can get a decent chunk of money most up front for him, I'd snap their hands off because we do need a bit of money to invest back into the squad. Um, the interesting one for me is Onana. Um, you know, there's rumours now that you know his, his mum's his agent. He's had four clubs in the last five years. He's clearly moved around. So personally, I think, you know, for me, I've seen enough from Onana in in in, in snippets to see that this kid's going to be a top player. You know, he's got elements of almost Vieira slash Yaya Torre to his game, isn't he? You know what I mean? In in the way he plays, and he's obviously you know only going to get better in the next four or five years. Can we keep hold of a player like that? Well, certainly, if we're not on the verge of going down, we can't really keep talent like that. But by all accounts, and I, yeah, as I said before, I saw in that West Ham game, he clearly wasn't trying. And that was a worrying sign for me. In a massive game, he was walking around the pitch. And regardless of what's going on with the managerial situation, you've got to put those things to, to one side. It's a massive game for the club. You're playing for the club. You know what I mean? And that worried me a little bit. And... You know, like we said, four clubs in the last five years. He's moved around. Um, you know, by all accounts, yesterday he had he had planned absence anyway. He had a, a friend's wedding, so fans making uh, conclusions on that or jumping to conclusions on that uh, need to rain check that. But you know, Arsenal sniffing around him, Chelsea again sniffing around him. So you know, these clubs clearly see him as a player as well. Um, personally, I'd want to try and keep him and build a team around him. But let's be honest, really. It, we're going to need a minor miracle to stay up. If they come in and test our resolve with like a fifty million pound bid for him, you know, let's be honest, mate. I mean, I don't know what you think. I, I'd personally take it, and I know it doesn't leave as much time to reinvest that money, but it certainly gives us a lot more chance of getting deals, you know, further deals through the door. Because if he's not going to try like he did in that West Ham game, I'd rather bring in you know other players who who, who can certainly do that and put a shift in because. You know, it's a, it, 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 if we go in the if we sell him in the in the in the summer after potentially being relegated, then you know you can take twenty thirty percent off that price, can't you? You know what I mean? And that that's a big worry for me in the fact that he's fifty million quid. If that if that's genuine and that is the offer that's put in for him, personally, I would I would I would take it. I would take it all day. I think I mean we've, we've got to also say as well that in regards to Onana. It came out later on yesterday that he was apparently at a at a wedding, which was already yeah. Was what I said it said that yeah yeah yeah. You know, so so before obviously people jump on that and say, well, you know, he, he was given leave. Okay, maybe he was, but there was talk prior to his absence yesterday that there's been links with both Arsenal and Chelsea because there's a need yeah. for the club to bring in some funds. Obviously, with the sacking of the manager and the wants and needs to improve the squad, and at this moment in time. He's one of our most saleable assets, isn't he? You know, a young kid, 21 years of age. You could certainly sell him for even a profit that you made um, based on what we bought him for. 
in the summer, you could certainly make money on him. And and I think that's what we're what we're currently looking at and why he's he's attracting apparently interest from Chelsea, Arsenal and Spurs. Um he's on a long term contract as well. So you know, again, the odds are in our favour there as well, where we could do a decent deal, as much as it would be disappointing to see him go. Because, you know, like you say, he certainly showed a lot, I think, in a lot in snippets. Maybe not his best game was probably Southampton. I thought, like you said earlier on the show, he was our standout player. I thought he was exceptional uh, outside of his goal. And he showed exactly, you know, the reasons why we bought him and what he can actually bring to the side. So it would be disappointing. But again, that is maybe an option. And, you know, maybe don't be surprised if, if we do. But don't forget, though, Everton... There's a, when there's a sell-on clause, so I think Leo gets twenty percent of any kind of sale. Don't forget. Yeah, so. yeah. So if it's fifty million, they're getting ten million quid. But like in that respect, you've then got potentially forty million there, thirty-five million up front from Gordon. You've suddenly got seventy-five million quid out of nowhere, haven't you? Now, obviously, you've only got a week to try and reinvest that. But if we are to bring in, you know, the rumours are still today that Bielsa is the favourite. If he wanted to bring in some of his own players, so all of a sudden he's got money to do that. Yeah, you know, and and you know, even even someone like Pickford, who, who let's be honest, you know, has been brilliant for us. One of the major reasons why we stayed up last season, but again, his price would plummet if we got relegated because we'd have to sell him, and you know, in in effect, essentially a fire sale. Yeah, and obviously, you know, he's refused to sign this contract as well. So obviously, that makes him even cheaper. But if you know, if, if someone like a Spurs, who you know, Larice, let's be honest, has been really struggling for them this season, yeah. if they came in for him. Again, tested our hand for like you know forty million or something like that for that. You know, to be honest, you take it, wouldn't you? Mm. You just take it. And as much as you know, he's the England number one. He, he's developed for. He's become a really top class keeper. But then you know, you, you could easily sign for me, uh, you know, a decent keeper for like you know half that price. Um, uh, you know, and, and get a, a, you know a relatively similar level. So you know, all of a sudden, if he does go as well, then all of a sudden you've got over 100 million quid in the coffers potentially, haven't you, to try and invest in the squad. Now, again, it, you know, to try and then suddenly sign four or five players and integrate those players is, is a big ask. It's a really big ask. But at the same time, you'd much rather have that opportunity to do that because, let's be honest, the squad does need refreshing. The squad does need pace in it. The squad does need dynamism in it. The squad does need goals in it. The squad does need creativity in it. And, you know, if that was invested properly, and let's be honest, with some of the players we've been linked with, with Thelwa, like the Kudises of this world, you know, Mudrick before he went to Chelsea and that, you know, that gives us a bit of hope that we've been linked with these types of players. Who's to say that with some of that money, we can go and test Ajax and go, right, we were going to give you 11 million in the summer. Right, we'll give you 20 now. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, you know, let, let, let's see. Let's see how it plays out. I mean, it's going to be an interesting week in Everton Football Club because... Like you said, we haven't even got a manager, never mind trying to sign players. No, no, exactly, exactly right. Um, and I mean, t- today's episode of, of the Everton Soap Opera is continued with Keir Jackson currently speaking on Talksport, just to uh, just to add add to the mix. But we won't, wow. we won't go for that, of course, of course. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be going to go to the wire in every every sense, isn't it? In terms of bringing players in. You'd hope Anthony Gordon's future will be sourced out by the end of this week, Friday, Saturday. Obviously, again, ties in with the new manager. They'll be told what the situation is. Apparently, he's not at training again today, Anthony Gordon, second day on the spin. Uh, there is rumours that he's, he's already uh, travelled to speak to certain clubs. So we'll see. We'll see how that, that unfolds. But it's going to be a busy end to the window once again for Everton uh, with both outgoings and incomings and managers and, and everything in between. 
Uh, but be, ju just to before we wrap up, I think we, we've got to mention obviously last night a video was released by the club in regards to Farhad Mashiri speaking to, to Jazz Balbatier of the uh, the FAB and a lot of talk they weren't in the same room, they were in the same room. If a photograph has emerged this morning showing that they were. Uh, it was it was horrific editing, by the way. I thought it was terrible, considering it was filmed last week and then released, you know, sort of five days later. It wasn't the best editing in the world. However, Everton released something uh, where Farhad Mishiri covered a number of topics, number of concerns, um, backed the board, said that the club's not for sale. After an article appeared saying the club was for sale two minutes earlier, but we are close to getting some kind of investment sorted to bridge the gap in terms of the cost of Brandy Moore. Um, so a lot was covered in terms of that video last night. Thoughtly, thoughts on on what came out. It was, it was, it was sort of unprecedented in a way, wasn't it? Because you know you, you've had the majority shareholder come out, and by the way, I feel it needed to happen. Something like this needed to happen, mm. and I'm not sitting here praising what is being said, but I think that it needed to happen, and he had to come out and us physically see him. And obviously, listen to what he had to say. I don't agree with a lot of it. I've got to be honest. But what, what what's your take on it? Yes, I think you know, not many owners come out and, and have a conversation with essentially the fans. You know, a representation of the fans. So uh, it was long overdue, uh, like you said. Uh, it needed to happen. You know, for me, we've said this on this podcast numerous occasions. You know, I mean, he is by all accounts trying to change. Uh, his philosophy in terms of how to run the club ever since you know the five years that have been an absolute mess and they've done that um, back in January they've obviously tried to say well look if we're going to make decisions now it's going to be as a collective as a board you know with Thelwell having more of an input than his predecessor brands um, you know the, the rumour you know the, the report came out of the Guardian after all everything that had gone on yesterday which was like an episode of Faulty Towers all of a sudden, you know, the club's now up for sale, 500 million, and then all the fans start jumping on that. But in all honesty, um, and, and I can pretty much say this from, from a certainty perspective, I, I, I genuinely think the club's always been for sale. We all know that. The club has always been for sale at the right price for Farhad Mashiri. You know, and if someone did come in and test him and say, look, we'll give you 500 million for it, by all accounts, if you include the money he's put into the club so far, the money he's paid for the stadium so far, he would, you know, he, he would make, he, he spent around in the region of around about 800 million pounds. So he would make a fairly substantial loss on that. However, what I would expect him to do in that scenario is I think he's, you know, he's looking for investment more than looking to sell. However, if someone like a Qatari group or someone in the Middle East came to him and said, look, we'll buy 80% of your shares. So he retains, you know, a 15, 20% cut on that. I'd expect that type of scenario to happen purely because, you know, it would be in his interest to make sure that he then, you know, if the club was then to sort of potentially stay in the league or even if they were to go down and come back up to the Premier League, the stadium is finished. It's, you know, we're suddenly playing in Bramley more in the Premier League, then that 20% he would hold back would suddenly be worth probably twice the amount, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, if we're valuing the club at the minute around about 500 million, that 20% represents roughly 100 million quid. You know, if we then move into Bramley Moor, we're playing in the Premier League and the, and the club's a lot more stable, that 100 million is probably suddenly worth two or 300 million, isn't it? That 20%. Hmm. So from that perspective, I'd imagine that's what he'd want to do. He's come out and said himself, he said in the interview, didn't he? Look, we're looking for investment. 
in his own words, he said we're on the cusp of potentially achieving that. Um, you know, he, he was clearly out in the World Cup in the in the Middle East, wasn't he? Talking to potential investors. Um, so, you know, I, I'd expect that to happen, to be honest. Um, and in all honesty, you know, even if someone came in and did buy the club off him, it, you know, this is this, this doesn't happen overnight either. This could take, you know, the best part of three or four months to be able to go through the whole process. You've got the, you know, the Premier League have got to ratify, it, haven't they, in terms of being fit and proper in terms of the buyers. Uh, by all accounts, that would be quite easy because if you look at the way Newcastle got taken over by Saudi, so uh, the fit and proper test is, is a bit of a farce, but you can see why it's there. Um, and then obviously you've got all the due diligence that goes with it to, you know, to buy such an asset. So, yeah, I, I think the club's always been for sale um, or is certainly open for investment, especially since everything that's gone on with, uh, you know, Uzmanov um, and USM and things like that, you know, with the sanctions that have happened to him and, and everything else, it's really hampered us. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I think that story was blown out of proportion and the timing of it was, was pretty ill-timed for me from The Guardian. Yeah, obviously they've been they've been tipped in some way, shape, or form. Um, but like you say, it's it's no surprise and it's no secret that the club have been for sale for possibly eighteen months or so. You know, from from what we're led to believe. So I think that's that's not a secret. There's been a, obviously there was a lot of uh, heavy links going back a few months ago to a couple of American consortiums. There's still a lot of people in, in conversation now in regards to investments and things like that. And obviously, if we if we're to believe what he says, then we're pretty close to securing a deal. In regards to obviously securing the funding effectively to to make sure Bramley Moore is finished. So, um, yeah, it was. I mean, it was nothing. From what what came out, it was nothing. I didn't think that was out of the ordinary. I didn't think there was anything shocking that he said. I wasn't surprised by answers that was given in regards to to the board. Um, he said he was open to meeting more fans face to face. You know whether that's to to be believed, we we will see. He said he feels the pain. He understands it. Uh, he understands, you know, that he writes down every point that's been raised. He's got it written down. He's going to address it. Um, you know, the, the proof is in, is in the pudding. It's it's one of those things. But it was uh, it was just it just added to the to the drama of yesterday, really, didn't it? The fact that that came out of around about eight o'clock last night after what we've gone through over the course of the day, what we were still seeing at that time as well, especially in regards to the potential sale of the club. Um, so it's just an absolutely crazy day and one which will will certainly go down in history and, and not from a I don't think a positive perspective either for everyone at the football club. But it's gonna be like I said, it's gonna be a busy, a busy time now, a busy week or so in terms of players, managers, etc. Uh the club will will look at that much or that bit difference come this time next week. It's it's gotta be said and Oh, I do expect things to move quickly over the course of the next few days in regards to manager players, Anthony Gordon especially. Um, so by you know by by the next time we speak this weekend, more than likely it's it's going to be a, a change dramatically once again. So it's uh, you can't take your eyes off it, but it's it's a it's a very difficult time at this moment in time. Uh, but let's see let's see what happens. But listen, that's us for today. That's us for for this this episode. Um, thanks everyone for listening. If you can, you know, obviously subscribe to us on, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Rachel's, etc., etc. That would be much appreciated. And we will catch you at the weekend. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. 
Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.